Woo, Kobe. Thank you for that, bro. I got chills. I don't know about y'all. Man, uh, a couple of things as we're getting started. Um, first, just before I forget, I'm, uh, as a lot of you guys know, I'm going out of town today, so I have to get on a plane at 118. So, I, like, as soon as I'm done and the, and the song ends, like, I'm a jet. So if you're looking for me and can't find me, I'm not here. Um, but feel free to, to call me later or, or uh, tomorrow or whatever. Um, but I just want to give you guys a heads up that if the pastor disappears, it wasn't the rapture and you got left behind. Uh, I just have a business trip. Uh, look, last week, I don't know about for you guys, but last week for me was incredible. Um, great testimony, uh, short message, uh, and then we got to, that was a joke, nobody laughed, I'm sorry. Um, we got to affirm our deacons, and, and for me, like, that was just incredible, just because it, for me to, to see um, a group of people together to commit to a call to ministry and to publicly proclaim that and say, God's called me to this and I'm going to do it. Like, it just, man, it gets me fired up. So thank you guys so much for last week. It was wonderful. Um, Glenn did a really great job of just kind of nailing down, you know, our beliefs as a church and, and what it means to be a deacon and what it means as a Southern Baptist church to have uh, men and women deacons. So if you missed that, please go back and listen to the podcast. It was excellent, well worth your time. And I would, I would encourage you to go do that if you were not here because I want us to all be on the same page with where we're headed, what the trajectory of our church is. And so uh, that's important. So take some time to do that. Uh, last week, just because of all of the things that, that we had to do, I, I, I'll be honest, I felt a little bit rushed. Uh, I shared with you guys last week that this third commandment about not taking the Lord's name in vain, I learned a lot of new things about that uh, last week. And then this week, the Lord has kept me in that passage. And, and so today, we're going to talk about that third commandment again from a few different angles. We're going to use some different examples. But but. For me, what I shared with last week is that I, I had a new understanding once, we, once I looked at the Hebrew and, and understood the intent behind what God was saying. And we're going to dig into just a minute, but I wanted to share with you guys that, that it's critical that all of us are on the same page, right? It's really important for us as a body of believers. We can't be on mission together if we don't all understand the same things. And so I really, I feel like today God's having us go back through this commandment again because there may have been some that were out, or you may just have, have been busy like I was last week and zoned out a little bit. And so God wants us to hear this message. And I, I'm confident that it's Him that wants us to hear it, because everything that could possibly go wrong this weekend, as I prepared for this message, happened. Um, I was telling Glenn yesterday evening, I'm finishing, I'm about 90% done with writing my sermon, and Word crashes, and it did not auto-save at any point while I was writing, and I lost everything. And so I called Bethany, and was like, I'm on the way home, I'm going to stop by the grocery store, She's like, are you done? I was like, I was, and then I lost it all. So I just, you know, we'll just see what, I'm just going to re rely on the Holy Spirit, and then we, we have these songs today that really reinforce that. But I went back home, and I started writing again, and, and God just spit it all right back out again. Um, so I'm, I'm excited today, but I also am aware that the enemy is working hard for, to, to just put blinders on us about this. Um, this morning we get here, and I'm trying to upload stuff to, to Faith Life Proclaim, the, the presentation stuff, and it just won't work. No explanation. But again, it was just another roadblock. So I'm confident that we're headed in the right direction today because the enemy's working hard against us. All right. So I shared with you guys last week that I came to a new understanding of this, this concept of what it means to not take the Lord's name in vain. And we're going to dig into that in just a minute. But if you remember last week, I asked just for a show of hands how many people in our congregation, their previous understanding of that commandment was just not to use swear words and, and specifically not to use swear words that included God's name. Most of the people in here raised their hands. And so... 
I knew that was my experience growing up. And so I decided I was going to, this. I just used this week as a case study. And so I had a number of conversations with people that grew up in the same churches that I did, but also people that grew up in different churches and different denominations than I did to see if maybe it was just confined, maybe we're just the oddity, right? And so I had these conversations and, and nearly everyone, well, there was one exception. Everyone had the same response that we did, that we shared, that this was just about not using swear words. But one person that I talked to, he gave that same explanation. But then at the end, he said, but I really feel like it's also that we shouldn't cloud God's name. And I said, man, I really like that verbiage. I like the way that sounds because I, I think that that is doing a good job of communicating what God's intent was with this, with this passage, with this, with this commandment. Okay, so um, I was talking with somebody, I think this was two or three weeks ago, and I was telling them that I was really concerned with um, with how long it was taking us to move through Exodus. And I'll be honest, that's just, that was a personal struggle for me because I was worried about people's perception of me in this role. And I know that's silly and seems frivolous, but it was a concern. It was, it was there. And this person rem, or didn't remind me, they told me, I didn't know this, that it took John Piper eight years to go through the Book of Romans. And I said, well, I feel a lot better now. We're doing great, okay? So if it takes us, I don't know how long it's going to take us to get through Exodus. We're going to stay, we're not going to move forward a commandment this week. We're going to stay on the same one. Um, and just a heads up, next week, David, because I'm going to be gone to a class all week, David Miller's going to preach next week, and I'm really excited. I will also be here, um, but he's going to preach. And uh, he, I told him a couple of weeks ago to move into the, the fifth and beyond commandments. I don't know if he'll do one or if he's, you know, a big swinger and is going to do all of them. I don't know. Like, he might hit it out of the park. But... I told David, keep going, we'll circle back to the fourth commandment. So next Sunday, when we don't go to the fourth commandment, don't panic. Okay, we have a plan in place. So I just want to get all of that out before we, before we start. Okay, so let me say this. I think you guys probably know this about me, but I, I am committed to take whatever time is necessary. We as a church, as an elder body, are committed to do, and they take the time that it's necessary for, for us as a body to understand the message that God has for us. And I'm not saying that we're going to just prolong something waiting on one person. But I am saying that we're going to depend on the Holy Spirit to speak what he says and in the time frame in which he says to speak it because the, our goal as a people is to hear God's voice, right? And so we're going to take the time necessary to do that, okay? And I felt it was important for us um, to just spend some time on this. If you think about the themes that God has had us in as a church over the last couple of years, there's this, this rhythm of, us living our lives for other people, right? As we are abiding in Christ, that the purpose of our abiding is to be in relationship with God, but also to be in relationship with others and to share that with Him. And this commandment really is about that today. And I really feel like that's why um, it's important for us to hear this today and to, to look at it again so we can understand the intent behind it. Our representation of God, um, which is accomplished as we walk with Him, is what is going to reveal him to people around us. So let's look at Exodus 20, verse 7 again, okay? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So the, the first point that I made last week is don't make the name of God worthless, okay? That's probably not what popped up there. Well, I didn't even give any of those because it didn't work, so never mind. There's not going to be any points on the screen. You're just going to have to listen today. So the first point I made last week was don't make the name of God worthless, we had some great discussion in our life group last week, and Aaron, who's one of our elders, um, said that he, he would suggest a different wording for that point because when we hear things like that, our first response is to just dismiss it and say, oh, I would never make the name of God worthless, 
right? That's because that's our heart. But if we reword it a different way, let's maybe say it this way. Don't diminish the name of God by the way you live. Don't diminish the name of God by the way you live. While we're quick to say we would never intentionally make the, God, the name of God worth less than it is, we often, because of our own, um, or because of our flesh and our desire to please ourselves, we often diminish God's name by the way that we live. Okay? So do me a favor today. We talked about this last week. Don't forget to put your grace lenses on. Okay? We have to see all this through the lenses of grace. We need to understand that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that does all of this, who wills us and gives us the ability to accomplish these goals. Okay? So this is not a checklist. This is not about making you feel guilty. We're going to put our grace lenses on. Okay? If, and if you don't do that, you're setting yourself up for failure and for misery. Take my word for it. Okay? See this through the lens of grace. All right? So the word we looked at last week that's translated as vain is shav. Okay? And we talked about how that word is used in Scripture to mean the following things. Vain, vanity, false, empty or emptiness, falsehood, lies, worthless, nothing, and destruction. We talked about how we have often failed, I have failed, to see that taking the Lord's name in vain is much bigger than just the words that we speak right? The grander image that God's communicating here is that we need to look at the use of this word. We, we need to, to see that the way we live should not cause defamation to the name of God. The way we go about our lives should not make God seem like he's less than he is. The things we say, the choices we make, the paths that we choose to follow affect our lives, but they also affect the lives of the people around us. And I want to share a story with you guys today. I, I Yesterday, I'm a procrastinator, if you didn't know that about me. Um, and so after everything, I lost everything. I went to two grocery stores because I'm a procrastinator and I needed things. Um, and then I came home and in my, in my closet is a dresser drawer. Not in a dresser, just a dresser drawer in the, in the bottom of it. We moved this dresser into Saley's room probably five or six years ago. And the poor baby has been missing a drawer ever since because this dresser drawer was in Daddy's closet and it was full of paperwork, important documents from 2009 that I needed to sift through. And I had never done it. And I want to tell you why I never did it. It's not just because I'm a procrastinator. 2009, some of you guys have heard this story from us before. 2009 was an incredibly hard year for me, personally, and for my family. Um, in 2008, a very good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, called me and asked me to pray about doing a church plant with him in Rockwall, Texas. And so we prayed about that for a year. There was what we call a church plant proposal, which was like a business plan. Think of it kind of like our, our guiding documents and our distinctives here at TGP. We prayed through that for a long time. And I was confident that God was telling us that we were supposed to go and help with this. And my role was to be the worship and youth leader. That was what God was calling us to do. And so we, we prayed about it. You know, I've always lived in central Louisiana. Um, we just, Saley was two or three at the time. Um, and my parents, that was their only grandchild that lived here. They had others, but they lived in Alabama, and so I was also taking their grandchild from them. That was, they were very clear about that. <laughs> I, we literally spent every penny that we had, and when I say literally, I mean literally. We had a garage sale before we moved, and we knew to the penny how much money it was going to cost us to get to Rockwall, Texas, and that's how much we made at the garage sale, okay? God provided in a big way. And so we took everything we owned, 
We took my daughter, and we moved to Rockwall, Texas. And when we got there, I got a job working for Whataburger. That's why I have an unhealthy uh, obsession with them, many of you know. Okay, I love it. Um, it's the Lord's Burger. If Chick-fil-A is the Lord's Chicken, Whataburger is the Lord's Burger. Okay? So we move over there, and I got a job working for Whataburger. I would work 10-hour shifts, and because we lived in a suburb of Dallas, it took me between three and four hours to commute um, to work. That's both coming and going. So I'm working 13, 14 hours a day, also doing youth ministry or trying to. We're trying to build a church. We didn't know anybody when we got there. And so we're out every evening spending time with people. We are pouring our lives out for this ministry. And about eight months in, the guy that was the pastor, the guy that had been my mentor, came to, the, came to my house and he fired me because he said that I wasn't committed to the cause. He said a lot of other things, but I'm not going to go into that stuff. But it devastated me. I had to call the people that I had befriended in Rockwall, Texas and explain to them what had gone on and tell them the truth about this circumstance about because they knew me and they knew my life. And the way we were treated made God seem like less than he was. It made him seem like he was um, foolish. It made him seem like he was uncaring, like he was untrustworthy, he was inconsistent. And it broke my heart, and it broke my spirit for a long time. And the reason I had not dealt with that drawer from 2009 is because I didn't want to walk down memory lane. It was a time capsule of a period of my life that was devastating, and I had no desire to dig into it. But because I'm a procrastinator, last night I decided that was the night, okay? Now, keep in mind, I'd lost all of my sermon notes. And so as I'm going through that drawer, God is reminding me, of this story. He's reminding me. He's bringing up these emotions. Now I'm not, gonna, I'm not foolish enough to say that we made no mistakes. We're all sinners in that circumstance. But I know the way it affected me. And I know the way that it affected the friends that I made in Rockwall, Texas. And I'll tell you that church. The day that happened. Ceased to exist. It fell apart. That's the risk that we take when we don't represent God well. Keep your grace lenses on, okay? The way we were treated, the way the people in our church were treated made God seem like a different person than he is. And I know that's heavy and I know that's weighty, but that is the reality in which we live. This is why I wanted us to spend some more time in this verse today because we cannot just gloss over this and go, oh, that was a great point God taught us last week and never think about it again. We cannot be a people that is going to join God to set people free if we are telling people a false God, if we are selling them that, if we are telling them that God is anything other than He is. I'm telling you the story today because it took me 10 years to put the nails in the coffin of that period of my life. 10 years. I could spend all day telling you all the details of all the things that went wrong and telling you about how that, the, the far-reaching implications that had for me personally as a, as a pastor, as a youth pastor, as a human being. But we're not going to go through that today because I know that I'm not alone in having experiences like that. I know the stories of many people in this church who have had times in their life where people who God put in power and leadership in their lives misused that power and misrepresented God and it is devastating and I will not allow myself to be that and I don't want you to allow yourself to be that and the only way that happens 
is by us trusting in the Holy Spirit and following his leading daily. If you were to ask me what went wrong in Rockwall, my answer has always been and still is, he stopped listening to God. He took control for himself and it fell apart. Look, the fact that we all have these kinds of stories is exactly why God put this commandment in the tent. Because he knows that we have sin in our lives. Since Adam and Eve chose to be disobedient to God, we are born in sin. Scripture is clear about that. And because of the flesh that is in us, the selfishness in us, we always try to make everything about us. And God is trying to say to his people through this commandment, the way that you live, because you have identified with me, the way you live matters to me. The way you live changes people's perception of me. But here's the rub. Here's the important part. When we receive Christ through profession of faith and then make that public by being baptized, we are claiming the name of Christ. So whether you intend to diminish God's name or not, you can. And you will if you choose to not abide in Him. If we try to go on with our lives being a good Christian, air quotes for podcast land, if we try to do that in our own power, we end up spreading a false gospel. We're spreading, spreading what we are calling truth, but is actually a lie. What we are perpetuating is our idea of what a believer is instead of an authentic life of faith that's produced as we abide in Christ. And nobody wants that. Look at me today. This is, God brought this to mind yesterday as I was studying. Let's read together, and this is long, so hang with me. But this is where Jesus gives the seven woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. And I want you to listen for the things that he is calling them out for. Let's read this together. It's going to be up on the screen. Then Jesus said to the crowds and his, to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe what they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phallistries broad and their fringes long. And they love to, to the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues, and the greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbis by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for we have one teacher, and you are all brothers." And, no, and a call no man your father on earth. For we have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors. For you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when they become a proselyte, you make them twice as much the child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by this oath. You blind fools! For which is greater, the gold or the temple that made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he's bound by the oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? 
So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the insides, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and that the outside might also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites, for you are like the whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within they are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you, buy, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would have not taken a part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measures of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you escaping being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that you may come all the righteous, you may come all the righteous bloodshed on the earth. From the blood of righteous Abel and from the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barkic, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So here's what he calls out. They preach, but they don't practice what they preach. They create heavy burdens that they are unwilling to bear. They do things just to be seen by others, to build their own reputation. They shut the door to heaven by giving a false idea of what it takes to get there. They have made the created things more important than the Creator. They ignore justice and mercy. They focus on their appearance rather on their relationship with God. They focus on the sins of others rather than the sins of their own lives. I don't know about you, but to me it seems like time has not changed our flesh. But if we examine our own lives, we see some of those things. If we don't abide in Christ, if we do not do what he tells us to do, we are no better than the scribes and the Pharisees. We are spreading a false gospel and we are diminishing the name of God. The heart behind this commandment is that we are God's people and how we live speaks to those around us about who God is. And the question that we need to be asking ourselves is, what kind of message am I sharing with the people that God has put in my life? Those that God has called me to bless. Those that I do community with. The life that I am living, the choices that I am making. What kind of gospel is that to them? What are they seeing? The second point that I made last week is that God's go God will redeem his name. Jesus makes abundantly clear to these scribes and Pharisees that he is not happy with them. Amen? He's not okay with the way they're acting. Did you notice that Jesus rebukes them publicly? He didn't do this in private. This is right after 
they question him about what the greatest commandment is. This is his response. They sin publicly and God and called it God. Okay? They sin publicly and they called it God. And so God called them out publicly and said, That's not me. That's you. When Jesus came, it was to finish the work of restoring our relationship with God. And in order to do that, he had to bring to light all the false things that had been spread about God. We see this happen in the church over and over and over again throughout church history. That men take advantage of the power that they've been given by the church and by God and they use it for their own selfish gain and eventually that stuff comes to light. And we have to deal with it and God deals with it. Men take what is meant for good for God's people and then manipulate people to serve their own selfish desires. So let's look at that commandment again, specifically the last half. It says, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. If we choose to live in a way that makes God to be less than he is, we can count on the fact that God is going to deal with that in our lives. We can count on it. It doesn't mean that God's not going to forgive us. It doesn't mean that, that we are done with. It just means that, that God is going to deal with what's going on and then we're going to have to live in the circumstances that we created by our disobedience. We're going to have to deal with that stuff. Here's the thing though. All of us are guilty of breaking this commandment and God is faithful to forgive us and redeem us. Look at what Jesus tells them at the end of these woes. He says, Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify. And some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. So that, on, uh, so that on you may come all the righteous bloodshed on earth. From the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barak. Whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Jesus did not pull any punches when he was laying out what was coming for these guys. And you know who was in that group that Jesus wasn't pulling the punches on? Paul. Paul was in that group. In Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, we looked at this last year as we went through the book of Acts looking at the early church. It says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, threats and murder, he went to the high priest. And he asked them for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard, the voice, uh, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was out without sight, and neither ate nor drank. We know what God is speaking to us, right? You know personally in your life what it is. We all have messed up. You've messed up, I've messed up. And we're all guilty, but just like Paul, we are also forgiven. Just like Paul, we have been commissioned by the Holy Spirit to join him to set people free from the bondage that we used to experience. You see, what the enemy wants to do when we hear this message, when we hear this rebuke from the Lord, 
is he wants to make us feel guilty and to just wallow in that until we can finally forget about it. We've slept enough that it's no longer on our minds and then we move on with life. That's not what the Spirit wants for us. What the Spirit wants for us is to see the sin. That's the point of the commandments is to say, here's the line, you crossed it, let me forgive you and let's move on. Jesus doesn't take that lightly. The forgiveness that he paid for was costly, but it is there for us and we need to take advantage of it. Don't wallow in guilt. We need to repent and then immediately ask God who or what he's calling us to. Look at Paul's response in verse 20 through 22 in Acts 9. He says, and immediately, immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, it is not this man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has, not, has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. The enemy wants to convince you and he wants to convince me that we are disqualified for service by the mistakes in our past. And that is not true. This morning... One of my devotions, I just had to, I had to share this with you guys. It's the story of the prodigal son, and it says this, The father immediately restores authority to his child upon his return. When the father gives his ring to his son, we see a symbol of authority being transferred back to the son. No matter how terrible the sin, no matter how long the rebellion, our father will always give us authority to do his work when we return to him. No sin disqualifies us from living a life of eternal impact. No length of time outside the church, the Bible, prayer, or worship keeps us from being ministers of God's grace. In His grace, He's chosen to use us. Each one of us has been appointed, not by our own merit, but by His love and divine wisdom to live a life of eternal significance that only we can live. God has a clear message for us. Glenn's been saying it over and over and over and over. Now I'm going to say it over and over and over and over. Now is the time. God is not preparing us for something in the future. God is preparing us for today. God is preparing us for tomorrow. And guess what? Tomorrow morning, if you spend time with the Lord, guess what He's going to do? He's going to prepare you for that day. Just being here on a Sunday morning is not enough. Just going to live group is not enough. That's not what God's asking for. When you gave your life to Him, you did that. You gave it to Him. Not, not just Sundays, not just a Wednesday night or Thursday night or whenever your group meets. You gave your, your whole life. And we all rebel against that. All of us. None of us are exempt from that. We all sin. We all have flesh in us. But when the Holy Spirit points it out, repent. And then God is going to put you right back to work. I was sharing with someone this week, uh, or two weeks ago, we were talking about their role in this church, in, in the ministry of this church, and they were afraid that perhaps something that happened in their past was disqualifying them for ministry. And I want to end with this today. And I shared with them, I said, do you know where the name of our church came from? And he said, no. And it dawned on me yesterday that there may be many in this room who also don't know where the name of our church came from. The name of our church is what? The Gathering Place, right? And we just put West on the end because we're on the west side of town. But the name of our church is the gathering place. And that comes from Luke 15, verses 1 through 7. It says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. 
Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls all his friends and his neighbors together and say, says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be much rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not repent. We're just a bunch of sinners. All of us. And we're gathered up together. And it is good. Because that's what God's called us to be. You know, I know. We all got skeletons in the closet. And Satan often wants to tell us that that disqualifies us from ministry. When we talk about these commandments, we know we've broken them. And Satan wants us to think that we're disqualified from ministry. Our call, the whole purpose of this study is to join God to set people free. And that call is for right now. It doesn't happen when the study ends. If you wait for that, it might be two or three years from now. I don't know. Don't wait till the end. Start today. Ask God. Say, God, what are the things in my... Or you may not even ask. You may know. It may be very evident in you right now that the Spirit is speaking. You're going, God, this is the thing I need to repent for. Do that and deal with it. Give God an opportunity to forgive you. We are all lost sheep and Jesus found us. And our call as a body from its conception has been for us to gather together, hear from Jesus, and then go out and find the other lost sheep that he's calling to himself. That's who we are. That's what we're about. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry that you're surprised. But that's the point of our church. And so if you, if you come and you call yourself part of the gathering place people, but you ain't out there trying to gather up some people, you're missing it, okay? That's who we are. It's what we do. It's because it's our call. It's because what, that's what God has said he wants for us to do. God desires to reveal himself through us. The message that we have as a church is a message of hope, of joy, of love, and that the truth that God is alive and that he speaks to us daily. We have the truth that tells people in our lives that God isn't just a taskmaster. He isn't just about a checklist. But he wants to speak to you daily and let you hear from him. He wants to restore the relationship that he originally created us to have that's what he's about and when we try to do these lists when we try to check things off we're saying God that relationship thing that's not really for me I'd rather just try to do some stuff and be miserable and I don't know about you but I'm not I'm not about misery I want to have some fun and that's where Jesus is God is loving he wants people to know that he wants to restore our relationship with him our calling is to gather people it's to be a gathering place, people. And, and the, the way that we do that is by joining God and declaring the character of God through our lives so that the people that we're sharing our lives with know the truth about who God is, right? Let's go this week and declare the truth about who God's character is by living in a way that lifts Him up and not ourselves. Let's pray. God, strong words sometimes are, are hard to take in. But God, I thank you for, for dealing with me this week and the sin in my life. God, I ask that you would give us the courage to, to confront sin, that you'd give us the, the courage, the will, the strength, and the power to deal with it. God, that you would make us uh, vulnerable with one another so that we can share our struggles and encourage one another. God, most of all, I ask that you would just help us to just fall in love with you and to stay there. 
and that the way that we live, the relationship that we have with you would be contagious to those people that you've put in our lives. God, I ask that you would keep the enemy from being able to convince us that we are disqualified from ministry because of sin. God, point out the sin, help us to repent, and then propel us forward in ministry to be obedient to your call. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.